Hey, what's up? This is your host, Kat Jones. Today is February 23rd, 2020. I have a weird migraine in my voice, and this is queer all year. Hey, y'all. This is Kat, your host. If I sound like I have absolutely no energy level, it's because I have a migraine and it has moved from my head to kind of my eyes and my voice. And um, yeah, so I've I've got the energy level, you're just, it's gonna sound like I am just like, I don't care, and, and I'm joined with my non-migraine right now, bro and sound producer, Mick G. Viva la revolution! Yay! Hey, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a better energy level. Yay! I'm gonna make myself smile, because if you make yourself smile, then you feel like you're smiling, and then you sound like you're smiling, and I... I feel like the Joker. Okay. Act enthusiastic did... and you'll be enthusiastic. Oh my god, don't even, because, oh, it's going to come out. The theater person maybe going to, it, okay, act stories, enthusiastic stories, stories, and you'll stories. be enthusiastic. <laughs> Crap. Act enthusiastic. Oh, okay, no. sorry. No, you got me. Okay, dang it. I do actually feel better. Dang Classic. <laughs> Disgusting thespian. As Elijah would say. Okay, yeah, we have two stories today. One of which is kind of one of those history things that I like to talk too much about, but this time it's not England. And then one which is a true crime story that I, of course, have memorized on accident just because I am a true crime idiot. And I think I've only seen it in one place, so the fact that I know it is um, worrisome. So anyway, let's get into the one that I know because I like history and stuff. And we are going to be talking about... Friedrich Wilhelm August Heinrich Ferdinand Steuben, born Friedrich Wilhelm Ludolf Gerhard Augustin von Steuben, because I took German class and I have a horrible pronunciation. He, um, we know him, well, we don't know him, but we should know him as Baron von Steuben. He was um, a Prussian military officer, leader, Um, and for those of you who don't know what Prussia is, it is, um, basically what Germany used to be called, but it's not, go learn about all the world wars and how we divided up the world. But anyway, basically Germany, kind of. So anyway, yeah, German. Um, he was, um... He was like a, not a general, I think, but really high up in the military in Prussia. But during, at the beginning of the American Revolutionary War, the person he was um, running the military for, I guess, went bankrupt and had to fire him. And he tried to get military posts in other places in Europe. But then someone um, made a rumor that he... Uh, took liberties with young boys and he couldn't shake that reputation anywhere even though there's absolutely no historical proof that he had any sort of preference for anyone under the age of legal consent at least see there's that migraine in my voice again legal legal anyway um so he had kind of connections with benjamin franklin i'm not entirely sure how i couldn't really I think just everyone did. Everyone in Paris had connections with Benjamin Franklin because he was sleeping with all of them anyway. Um, And he just liked Paris and France so much that he was probably everywhere, just talking to everyone. 
Anyway, so he wrote a letter of recommendation for um, Von Steuben um, to be in the American military, I guess um, continental military, right, at the time, during the Revolutionary War. And um, he had to write a really persuasive letter because apparently a lot of military people had been coming over from Europe and like, hey, I want to I want to be in your revolution. I want to be leading your troops or something. And the, the Continental Congress got so sick of it. They were like, OK, no, no more. No one else. And so Benjamin Franklin was like, but what about this guy? And they were like, okay, I guess this guy, but no one else. And so this guy showed up and they were a little tentative about it because they were like, why did we let this guy come? We didn't let anyone else come. Why do we let this guy come? But then he met with um, George Washington and George Washington really liked him. Um, Alexander Hamilton and uh, John Lawrence both became like his aides and stuff. Um, and we are definitely going to talk about Hamilton and Lawrence at some point. Now I'm going to be excited about that. And I'm going to get that soundtrack stuck in all y'all's heads. Um, and I don't know where I was going. Uh, Washington really liked him. <laughs> and I uh, was like, this guy's really cool. And he wrote about him in his diary and stuff. And he's like, this guy's going to whip our people into shape. So he sent him to Valley Forge, which if you all know about the American Revolution, or if you don't, Valley Forge was a terrible, horrible place that our troops spent a horrible winter just dying, eating their shoes and dying and running away and, you know, deserting and everything. And so he was like, I'm going to send this guy there. This guy's Prussian. He's going to just, he's if the cold doesn't kill these people, he's going to. So... Steuben went there and he was just appalled at the state of the troops. I like literally they had been eating their shoes. It was that cold. They had the that those few resources. Um, as Hamilton says in the musical Hamilton, we have resorted to eating our horses. So it was um, pretty bad. And so he came in and saw that apparently, like our military was like depending on which regimen or which group you were in, it varied wildly. So, like, some would have, like, five people and some would have, like, 500 people and there was no uniformity of drills or, like, leadership or any sort of order, basically. I mean, like, I mean, like, they were, like, peeing in the streets and stuff like that. And the generals or whoever was there, were they were just kind of, like, yeah, so the guys pee in the streets, you know, and they, you know, they don't really have tents sometimes and, you know, that kind of thing. And Steuben was like, well, that's not happening anymore. So he was te technically just supposed to be out there inspecting things and sending back reports. And he, and he ended up, like, having to shape everyone into order. And he wrote basically the manual uh, um, by which the military was formed for a long time like it was the it was a manual and it was the manual so he got them all just like regimented and taught them new ways to fight because apparently before they'd been in just a single file line that was like miles long 
or a mile long or whatever. And then he was like, okay, so guys, what if, and stick with me on this, what if instead of one long line, we do like columns going back so that they can't just pick us off like we're ducks at one of those carnival things? And they're all like, whoa, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Apparently he would just like, if they didn't, you know, get into shape fast enough or whatever, he would like curse at them in German and French. And then the only curse word he knew in, in English was goddamn. And so he would just yell that and then just a whole bunch of German and French stuff in between. And apparently that made the troops really like him a lot. So that was, okay, so that's the background of what he did that has nothing gay in it. Um, but he was pretty actually um, openly gay. And he wasn't, it wasn't like he was, you know, like pr prouncing around, you know, spraying glitter on dying troops and stuff. It was just like, he had, there was like at least one time when he had like a, a sex party or something where like he invited the troops in, you know, some people got invited in, but the only way they could get in was if they were, were not wearing full pants. So generally it was like either they were wearing like their tattered up pants or something or no pants. So that was that party. Um, and um, he... Um, got in like a really, really committed relationship with um, a man named William North, who was also in a very um, deep relationship with a man named Benjamin Walker. And we're not really sure um, how close von Steuben was to Walker, but we know that when the war was over and they moved back to civilization and all that, um, he legally adopted both of them, both North and Walker, um, which apparently was very common back then between gay men before they were allowed to get married because then they were able to inherit things when the, um, when the person died or they would be able to, you know, like have kind of the rights that a parent would have or a child would have, which were close to the rights of a married person at the time. And so they had to you know, adopt each other if they wanted to be almost married. So um, that is, I mean, he's pretty much mostly forgotten today in terms of the American Revolution. You know, we have Lafayette Street everywhere. We don't really have much von Steuben, probably because German is kind of hard to say, and Lafayette is like a like a sexy Lancelot of the Revolution, and this guy's like, Baron von Steuben! Goddamn! And so, yeah, we don't have streets named after him much. But he was clearly very important and very gay and very, um, very cool, I guess. Maybe. No one back then was cool. What am I talking about? I think history's cool. That's why you're here. And that's why we're going to go into a little segment with Mickey. Yo, yo, everybody. I just talked about B.B. King and his guitar Lucille in yesterday's episode, and now I'm going to continue on a series about great guitarists with great guitars. For Eric Clapton, his Black Fender Stratocaster, aptly named Blackie, was an iconic image throughout the 70s and onward. Blackie isn't the first Strat Clapton played, though. In 1970, Clapton made the switch from Gibson to Fender, 
This was largely to do with the ferocity he watched Jimi Hendrix unleash on his Stratocasters. Uh, this first Fender was a brown Stratocaster named Brownie. It was used on the recording Layla and other assorted love songs. Blackie, however, is a hybrid of three different Stratocasters. Clapton brought the best parts to luthier Ted Newman Jones to assemble what would be one of the world's most famous guitars. Rock and roll can't be thought about without visualizing Clapton with his beloved Blackie. Its glossy, smooth black finish, contrasted by the white pick guard, was first used on Clapton's 1973 Rainbow concert. This live recording has my absolute favorite version of Layla, and this was also his first concert since seeking treatment for heroin addiction, and you can tell that his soul is back and his soul has been homesick for the stage. He uh, just plays with so much soul and skill, it's amazing. Clapton was back in his element with Blackie screaming and moaning at his side. I'm McGee, and this is a little segment. All right, thank you, McGee. Now let's move on to my true crime story that hopefully it crosses over with some of our listeners. I'm pretty sure I know most of you don't cross over into the true crime thing, but I do. So Alice Mitchell... Um, was born in, um, boy, I forgot, 1850, 1850, doesn't matter. She was born in 1850-something, and she was never interested in, like, girl-specific type standard toys and activities and stuff. Um, people called her a, uh, a tomboy, which is not a word that we really accept these days, just FYI, I'm pretty sure most people don't know that. Um, we don't like the word tomboy anymore. Uh, and by we, I mean the queer community um, and I guess kind of the feminist community too. Anyway, just um, we don't like tomboy because it's not a... Anyway, moving on. Um, she didn't like boys, which people thought was weird. She liked to play baseball and football, which I think would have been awesome to see because generally you weren't seeing uh, people who were supposed to be girls or, or stereotypically conform to the societal standards of females. You don't really see them wearing things that would be conducive to football. So, and I'm pretty sure it's talking about American football, not... Um, because she's in, she was in America. She was in um, Tennessee. So I'm pretty sure we we're talking about American football, not what we call soccer. But if anyone knows, you can let me know. Because, I don't know, maybe we just called it football back then. I don't know. I didn't live back then. Um, when she went to the Higby School for Young Ladies, which I'm sure annoyed her, um, she... Uh, met and began dating um, Frederica Ward, who go who went by Frida, and they were dating um, when Alice was nineteen and Frida was seventeen. Um, and it's very likely that Frida was actually um, bisexual because she was um, kind of dating or courting. I guess would have been back then 
um, to other men while she was in this relationship with Alice. Uh, they were very open about their relationship because, like I've said in the past, um, female intimate relationships that were considered just very, very close friends, not lesbianism or homosexuality or anything like that. Um, it was just they didn't understand or want to understand or care about female sexuality, that kind of thing. So um, apparently in um, Tennessee at the time, uh, being in this kind of friendship, like kissing in public and stuff, is called chumming. C-H-U-M-M-I-N-G. I am getting that one from Wikipedia. Um, I'll just say that straight out. I thought that was a funny word, so I wanted to put it in there. Um, I don't have anything other than Wikipedia backing that up because I did not want to put that into Google, to be honest. Um, eventually, um, Frida and Alice um, were forbidden from seeing each other by Frida's... Um, sister who was acting as her mother for some reason i don't know why i think there i think her mother must have died or something but um her sister her older sister was her guardian and they moved away to a different um state i believe pennsylvania and but they wrote each other um allison frida wrote to each other a lot and alice came up with this idea of where she was going to dress and live as a man and propose to Frida, and they would go live in Chicago, I believe, together. But um, that plot was found out by Frida's sister, too. And um, so then she wrote a letter to both um, Alice and Alice's mother telling her to stay away from Frida because they were in more than just a friendship relationship. And that really kicked off this bout of horrible depression for Alice because she, um, you know, like her sexuality was out in the open now and her parents knew about it and she was banned from ever seeing Frida again. And she, beyond that, she would probably never be able to see, you know, anyone that she was attracted to ever again because she would be, you know, quote unquote ruined or whatever. So, um, on February 23rd, on this date in history, um, Alice was following Frida. Frida was going to, I think, see um, her friends. She was walking with two of her friends, and she was going to go see her other friends. And Fre um, Alice is in a carriage kind of coming up behind them, and her friend is driving the carriage. And Alice jumps out and attacks Frida with a razor, and um, her two friends try to, you know, stop it from happening, but she manages to get through and um, slits Frida's throat with the razor and then jumps back up in the carriage and her friend drives her back to her house instead of, like, turning her in or anything. She just is like, okay, well, we'll go. We'll go to your mom's house now. Um, so, of course, they were arrested there not too long afterward because there were two witnesses who she decided to just not kill, which is good, but at the same time very calculated and malicious. Obviously, in these days, it probably would not be difficult to get a, you know, premeditated murder type of condition. Or condition? I don't even know what I was saying. Anyway, um, 
Anyway, so when she went to court, they tried to prove insanity, and um, I'm not sure how they did, but they did prove insanity. Um, boy, I need to talk to getting off about what on earth that phrase is that we use now. It's not insanity. It's not ng. Not well, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, hit me up, Nick and Jessa. <laughs> but um so that's not it seems like people think that um when you are quote unquote you know not guilty by insanity or whatever they used to call it uh people you seem to think that like oh they just got off like they just left and now they're out in the world and they're crazy and they get some medication but they aren't guilty for some reason it's like no i mean i don't know if it's still true, but it was definitely true for a very long time that if you were not guilty by reason of insanity, you went to a sanitarium or a psychiatric hospital until you died, which is what happened to Alice Mitchell. She um, was found legally incompetent um, and was sent to a psychiatric hospital and lived there, um, I believe, about five years. She died at age 25 in this psychiatric hospital which is horrifying and uh, most likely because she was, you know, in a fit of lesbian rage and was confused and obviously crazy. And so they put her away in this place and, and they were terrible. I'm ama amazed anybody like lived longer than 25 years old. Um, but, you know, that's who there are so many of us who would be in there when I think about sanitariums or whatever I'm like there are so many reasons I would be in one of those back then right now I would be in them forever um and so I'm glad at least that you can't put me there because of any sort of sexual orientation and also they don't really of course they exist I was gonna say they don't exist but they do but not to the point where you can throw me in one because I'm doing this podcast uh, yet. But anyway, so that's the history of um, the Revolutionary War and uh, lesbian murder. That was sensational. And um, sanitariums, very, very small history of those, which I think I'm going to have to do a bonus episode on so that you all can learn about the history of what used to happen to our people and hopefully make it so that the future doesn't replay history like it usually does. So that having been said, you can tell us how crazy we are on Twitter and Instagram at Queer All Year Pod. You can find us on Facebook and like our page at Queer All Year. We also have the the group Queer All Year Fam, um, where you can interact and talk to us talk to each other make posts um post memes you know be funny or call me an idiot one of those things um you can help us out a lot by um hitting us up at patreon.com slash queer all year and that is where you can make a nice little donation if you think the show is worthwhile um at the dollar level you get blo bloopers Yep, bloopers is the word. 
and um, our awesome ringtone. At the $5 level, though, you get bonus episodes where I ramble on about, so far, um, a lot about the Tudors and uh, Downton Abbey. I think I'm going to have to ramble about the Revolutionary War and, um, yeah, probably just a lot of that stuff. It's going to be fun. I I say it's going to be fun. It's already fun, but they're going to be, like, it's going to be bouncing. What do you call it? Gang Gangbusters. It's going to be gangbusters up in there or something. What year is it? Anyway, so if you would like to help me learn the history of gangbusters and the history of what on earth slang is going on right now, that would be awesome. You can leave that in a review if you would be kind enough to rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, That helps us out a lot, especially on Apple Podcasts. That is um, what most people use, and it's where it really matters to get boosted up in the ratings, and um, rating and reviews do that. So we would be so thankful if you would go out and do that and just take a few seconds. Um, Other than that, I think those are all the stories I've got for you. So thank you for taking this walk down history lane with us. And thank you for being a huge part of making history. And as always, we love you.